Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Did Cool Stuff, your podcast that's sometimes about sports, which I had no idea would happen when I first started a show (laughs) about Cool People Did Cool Stuff. But actually, it turns out, is a major part of Cool People Did Cool Stuff is the interaction between various types of rebellion and various types of group athleticism and or sports. So, my guest is Shiv Ramdas. Hi, Shiv. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Magpie. Back again. Yeah. Yeah. In this day that's totally a different day because we don't just record in a row. Why would someone record for three hours in a row? That's a really long time. Sophie's our producer. Hi, Sophie. Hi. And I think it was inevitable, the sports thing, as your producer is me and your editor is Ian Johnson. Yeah, that's true. Shiv is a science fiction author who... You all can read stories by, I've done it. I approve of reading Shiv's stories. Uh, and one of the stories, that's not science fiction, even though it has a superhero, is the story of Gamma, which we is going to mean nothing to you if you don't go back and listen to part one. But who would do that? Who would look at an episode that literally says part two as the first thing in the title and think, that's where I'm going to start? Because it's not where I would start. Because... I can't even read comic books because they're not in order and I can't do it. I can't, I have to start at the beginning of things. I don't know how you all are with this. Can you go non-linearly into stories? Not at all. Sophie's shaking. But, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard for me. But if you're listening and you really don't want to go click the other one because you like our voices that much and you don't want to be denied them for a second, Put it mm-hmm. this way, Gama was a really cool wrestler and he did a bunch of cool things with led to him being part of a group that was going to London to wrestle. If you want to know why that's a big deal, then you got to listen to the previous episode. But we're going to pick okay. it up when he lands in London. Let's do it. When he does, uh, with the others, they landed in about 1910 and uh, the reception they got was a lot different than the one they'd been led to expect, I think. 
because Benjamin Everyone was really nice to them and no one was racist. Well, I was just talking about the fact that that actually is contextually true in the sense that they, they were, weirdly enough, the reception was in many ways less racist than you might be led to expect, although obviously it was there. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, one weird side effect or some whatever you want to call it of the whole thing was like their biggest, a lot of their biggest supporters during this entire f- trip were conservative magazines and publications. And that is not how I expect conservative magazines and publications to react in general to foreign people arriving in your land, irrespective of yeah. how. Yeah. And how did that uh, happen? All right. Yeah, well, well yeah, just... it, I, I don't know. I, I don't actually have a good explanation for it. Like okay. at any level, but it is what it is. And so I am okay. duty bound to report it as it was. Okay. Okay. So, but here's the thing, like I, I, I get the feeling from Benjamin, he was like one of those promoters, like he had the hallmark of all truly bad agents and promoters, which is that he was way better at, at selling his own clients on stuff than he was on selling the public on his clients. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, or rather he was actually really much better at selling his clients on themselves than he was at selling the public on his clients. Yeah. Is perhaps a better way to put it. So in any case, there were like no real takers for matches with the Indian wrestlers. So they showed Uh up and they're just like sitting, cooling their heels, waiting. You know, they established quarters in a routine. They actually took a cook with them from India. So they were getting their food and everything. That was like an integral part of the whole deal. Apparently. So... This went on for so long that Health and Strength magazine even ran a story on them. It was, this is interesting for those of you who follow professional wrestling. It was called the Indian Invasion. Okay, and, I don't follow professional wrestling. All right, so invasion storylines are a big deal. They happen all the time. Uh, and this okay. honestly, maybe the first time reference to it was used to actually like try and sell a match. So this may have been the birth of the concept of the invasion storyline in wrestling. And as you'll see, they and the golden old. belt. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yes, like if you want to draw the lines, they're there. Oh, I do. Right, so, I don't know if it's real or not, but I want to draw the lines. Exactly. Always. So, so, so anyway, so this article by Health Instant tries to um, drum up interest in finding people to like face them in fights. Like, there's a long description of their routine, their training, their diet. It makes it a point that they don't use dumbbells or any modern equipment, and Basically, everyone who came into contact with their lifestyle and training and diet was immediately like blown away over the years. It still happens. And part of the article was a challenge printed there by the Indians to, <laughs> all, to all comers in which there was the particular promise by Gama that he would throw three men of any weight off their feet in 30 minutes. And if he failed, he would pay five sovereigns from his own salary to anyone who does not. Who he did not. In fact, if anyone could prove that they arrived and they were denied the chance to compete against him, he would pay the five from his own earnings. And hell yeah. So this is actually like a good example of why Benjamin was basically a shit promoter, because mm-hmm. a good promoter would never have allowed this to happen. Uh, because by doing this, what they were doing is they were kind of intruding into the world of professional wrestling, which is where you have challenges of this nature. Because like people who aren't into professional wrestling, they generally like conduct the business a little bit differently. So 
professional wrestling itself was like in a fledgling stage in England right now. There had been like one successful tour with George Hackenschmidt earlier. But like it was basically like a music hall show business kind of thing at this point, right? And the Indians and Gama especially were not here to do anything of that sort. Like they wanted to like fight people and win like in genuine fights. They did not care like how good it was or what the takings were, etc., etc. So, yeah. For a while, like the only offers they were getting were like basically to do with matches of this sort, which they were not doing. So yeah. essentially, there was no traction. In fact, like, now, is actually, that because people were like, is that because people were afraid to fight them because they knew they would lose, or is that because this, people were like, no, we want to do weird stage stuff because we want to wear costumes and be like the Americans, or like, what's happening? Well, at this point, it's like no one's ever heard of these guys. Mm-hmm. So, like, the reputed guys are like, why should we wrestle these guys who nobody's ever heard of? Like, they've never done anything. And the only guys who uh, want to wrestle them are the guys who want to put on a show. And okay, I see. These, and so these guys don't want to put on a show. They want to, like, wrestle the guys who are, like, champions and so on and so forth. Like, they've yeah, come yeah. basically come here to, go, to leave with the title of best wrestler in the world. Yeah. So that's his plan. That's how they sell him on going here. It's like, you will get to face European champions and prove you are the greatest in the world. Right. And I'm sure the fact he had those three draws weighed on it. But anyway, so to a large extent, like the interest in the Indians was basically like confined to papers. And a large amount of that was basically to do with their diet. Like, okay, let me give you an instance. Like, Gama's daily diet has been recorded as the following. I'm going to read this out because I, I wrote it down because it's so exceptional. Six chickens or an extract of 11 pounds of mutton mixed with a quarter pound of clarified butter, 10 liters of milk, half a liter of fruit juice and other ingredients to promote good digestion, pound and a half of crushed almond paste made into a tonic drink, and another half a liter of clarified butter. This was the (laughs) daily diet. (laughs) You know, and this was... He's gone a long way from his plant-based days. Yeah, and it's it's essentially like high fat, high protein, high carbs, yeah, yeah. high everything. And it basically to train at that level, you have to do this. And yeah, yeah. His training was the other part that was blowing people away. Like Percy Longhurst, who's like a writer on boxing, especially, but also I mean, he was actually a big supporter of the Indians being in and pe- and trying to like make people fight them and stuff. And he was mm-hmm. a huge fan of them. And he uh, showed up once to like write a story. And he tells the story of how, like, he wanted to talk to Gama, but the manager was like, Gama's just gone out to training. So he's like, I'll wait. I have half an hour. And everybody starts laughing at him. (laughs) So then he apparently goes out to the field and he sees Gama starting to do these squats. And he's like, at some point, it's like, it's just going on and just going on. So then he starts timing so that he times it for another 20 minutes. Then he goes back inside, does an entire conversation with another journalist, leaves, and he's mm-hmm. like, when I left, that guy was still going. <laughs> so, like, yeah. So, Gama was, like, known to do some extremely intense training. Like, I think he used to do, his actual, like, training routine back in India used to be, like, he used to do about, like, 4,000 of these a day, about 3,000 of these push-ups a day. And then mm-hmm. he used to wrestle 30 other wrestlers every day. Like, he'd do 30 bouts a day. Oh, this uh-huh. is training. This is daily training. Yeah, yeah. As the story goes, Gama has never lost a bout in training ever. Like he's literally never lost a bout. Which all right. Is, all right. Uh, which is pretty intense, right? 
Anyway, so at this point, like these writers who are marveling at this kind of stuff are like the only support they have. In fact, like John Bull, which is like a pretty conservative magazine, they were like full on in support of like the in Indian wrestling and so on. Like I, I still don't understand it. Um, is it because they like wanted the Westerners to like win and prove something, or was it just like we like manly stuff and let's be honest, these guys are pretty manly. Well, I don't because I don't understand it genuinely because like they would carry articles about stuff like bemoaning the lack of opponents and saying like shame on you for not being willing to face these guys and yeah. talk, talk and then talk about how Gama had like lots of offers to take part in like, you know, to take a fall for money or in take part in professional mm -hmm. wrestling and he would refuse because he refused to understand the concept even. Yeah, so, yeah. And then in this article, they also carry like a, another challenge from Gama, like ironically. Yeah. In which he lays out even higher stakes. And uh, he also like started naming famous wrestlers by name, like Frank Gotch, who's American, a guy called Stanislaw Zbysko, who was like a big deal in Europe. Like mm -hmm. I think it was Czech. The other people challenged by Gama in this, in this were the world and in caps, Japanese wrestling. And he, <laughs> he vowed that he would throw 30 Japanese wrestlers in 60 minutes. He also said, the Japanese champion, I will throw you 10 times in 30 minutes for 100 bucks a pop. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was like this. So this time the challenges seemed to have worked because like they started getting some matches and they started okay. doing, like, and they started doing like spectacular stuff already in matches. Like, so there's this one match against like the Scottish guy. And he's about like 56 pounds heavier than Gama. Mm -hmm. And then apparently Gama, they start like the guy flips him almost immediately. So this guy decides at that point, look, I'm not going to win, but I'm not going to lose. So what I'll do is like, he has to put my shoulders on my back, my back down. So he decides to like hug the mat like this, like face down. Mm -hmm. And the like, Scottish guy does or Gama. The does. Scottish guy. Yeah. You know, yeah like, okay. Crab turtle position, whatever. Yeah. And uh, so Gama apparently grabs him by the way, just flips him around and it's over. <laughs> so he like he doesn't have any problem like flipping this guy who's like 56 pounds heavier than him Gama's yeah, about yeah. 200 pounds just, okay. just this guy's about 256 okay so this stuff happens so like there's a little bit of buzz happening around like oh cool cool essentially like what basically happened is this is what Kadir Ali had done to Gulab and Gulam didn't have a counter and okay. it happened so at this point they actually get one big ticket kind of like opponent, which is this American, an American. His name, this is a wrestler called Benjamin Doc Roller. Now, okay. Doc Roller is a very interesting character. We've described a few people as colorful so far, like, and he's up there with all of them. So he's apparently a real doctor. Like he got his degree in Pennsylvania <laughs> or something, but mm -hmm. he was also like really fond of like wrestling and like American football. And uh -huh. at some point, he decided that breaking bones was more suited to his temperament than mending them. So he decided to do this instead, even though he was a doctor. <laughs> Usually people go the other way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he was apparently a fairly good wrestler. So like he was quite renowned and stuff like that. And uh, public perception, England was on Roller's side because he's the established name. Mm -hmm. Now, in truth, there was actually a massive gulf between like the these wrestlers and the Indian wrestlers. And the only people who really realized it were like sporting life and some of the media. Yeah. Like, do you think they wrote about like during training for this fight? Like, there's a fairly well regarded English wrestler who got into sort of a scrap and they're like, let's settle it in the ring with 
essentially the guy who was considered the weakest of the Indian wrestlers, of whom Gama yeah. was considered the strongest. So these two guys meet and he's like, the Indian guy won it in six seconds. Yeah. And then he's like, subsequently, we watched training. The guy who won in six seconds, Gama demolished that guy in like under two minutes. So yeah. like that is the gulf between like their best and like whatever our mi middle. No, I mean, because these people are this since is all the they age do, right? of five. Yeah, that is all they are. I mean, they are people and they have their emotions and stuff, right? But like they live and breathe this stuff and everyone else is like, this is my career. It is a just, yeah, it's a massive difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, there's a perception that this fight with Rolo was for something called a John Bull tournament. It's okay. an error. Like John Bull sponsored the fight and put up a, a like a prize. Okay. But there was like no belt or anything. So I feel like this is a good time to correct that. It was like yeah. a two out of three falls fight, which basically means you got to pin your opponent two times and like whoever gets two pins out of the three attempts you'll fight in will be the winner. Mm -hmm. No stranglehold, no full Nelson. There was some of that. And like I think this is in about August. At this point where we've reached August of the year 20, uh, 1910. Okay. Uh, at the weigh-in, Gama is about 200 pounds. Stone is, uh, this guy, what's his name? Um, Roller is about 200 and I would say 35 or so pounds. Okay. I'm going to try and be as brief as I can about the fight. Uh, the record of the fight shows that like the first pin happened in 1 minute 40 seconds for Gama. But this actually doesn't point out the fact like he had two earlier pins within the 1 minute 40 seconds which were considered out of bounds. So, <laughs> so anyway, so, so after this, Roller comes back again for the next round, which takes about nine minutes. All right. Oh, so wow. Fight, okay. Yeah. That's a long yeah. time for, yeah. yeah. So, the, so the fight's done in about 10 minutes. Like, and after the fight, Roller was like, I broke my ribs, which is why in the, in the, one of those first two falls, which is why I couldn't do well. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets interesting because, um, among Roller's many talents was breaking ribs every time he lost at something. <laughs> it's like uh, there was a newspaper that once put it, and I'm going to quote here, Doc has broken ribs in London, Seattle, Philadelphia, and several other seaports, both in football and in wrestling. And last night honored Ottawa, the capital of Ontario, by having his slats cracked there. <laughs> so did you grow up with the probably not? The middle school kids are very aware and of Marilyn Manson removing one of his own ribs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, okay, Absolutely. okay. This is all I'm thinking about when this guy just really wants to get rid of his ribs as fast as possible. Yeah, well, all right. So here's the thing. He did go to the hospital at Charing Cross after the Gama match. Mm -hmm. But he had visited hospitals in the past for his fake ribs. So there's that. Uh -huh. However, he did obtain a doctor's certificate this time saying his sixth and seventh ribs, or was it seventh and eighth, were cracked. So, wait, so he's mostly lying about getting his ribs broken, but Gama actually broke his ribs. Well, possibly, but I just want to point out he oh. was like a doctor. Oh, so he probably. I, I, I'm just saying all these options are on the table. You can believe what you choose to believe. <laughs> like, it is. Uh huh. It, I think this is about a good time. I, to I believe get off. the Marilyn Manson version. Like, I just think this is a good time to get off this roller coaster. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so after the end of that match, uh, 
like literally, I mean, like literally immediately after the end of that match, mm-hmm. a guy emerges from the crowd, like shakes Gama by the hand, congratulates him. And suddenly an announcer calls out that this stranger is going to be facing Gama soon. Okay. And it turns out this stranger is the famous Stanislaw Zibisko. Oh, okay. The, the maybe Czech guy you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, is that the Czech or Polish? One of the two? Okay. I'm not quite sure. Anyway. Zibisko is like one of the most fascinating characters in maybe European history in a lot of ways. Like he's essentially he was a strong man in Poland, I think it was. Well, either Poland or Czechoslovakia, whichever one it was. Mm-hmm. And then at some point he gets into Greco-Roman wrestling and he gets really, really good at it. Like he wins a bunch of like he wins tournaments and stuff. Like he's considered like the European Greco-Roman champ. Okay. He was widely considered by many people to be the greatest defensive wrestler in the world. Like, apparently getting Zabisco off his feet was like basically impossible. It's really, or at least really, really hard to do. He, there was a whole debate happening whether it was him or Frank Gotch who's the best wrestler in the world and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, um, what happens is at some point, Zabisco partners up with a promoter called Charles Cochran, who's like, he's like the huckster's hustler, really. Okay. This guy. So they decide to do a series of fights in England, right? Greco-Roman champion and stuff. And then at one of these fights, this Turkish guy shows up whose name is Karim Suleiman. And Karim Suleiman calls himself the champion of the Bosphorus. His father is a wealthy carpet dealer. He's there with his manager. And he's really, really rude to Zubisco and challenges him to a fight. Okay. They work it out. You know, there's negotiations for several days. They meet at the offices of a paper to negotiate, break off negotiations. Finally, a fight is set. Fight eventually happens and it's like, it's dog water. Everyone hates it. It's boring as hell. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad. After the fight, someone leaks to the papers that there is no Kareem Suleiman. The guy who was supposed to be Karim Suleiman, son of Turkish carpet dealer, champion of the Bosphorus, was this Bulgarian wrestler who it turns out was un- in the employ of Zibisco. His current address was Zibisco's previous address. His bills and mail were being forwarded to Zibisco's current address. So the world of professional wrestling is sneaking yes. into the world of actual wrestling. Yeah. Well, Charles Cochran's, like, you can smell the man at work here. But anyway, yeah. so that happens, right? Like, now, the reason I'm mentioning all this is I feel like the, one of the reasons Zibisco is taking up this challenge from Gama is I think he wanted to reestablish a little bit of his own credibility because... Yeah, because he just he, did some bullshit and got caught. It is interesting that at later points in his life, Zibisco basically became a professional wrestler. He's considered one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Okay. By some, I don't know. By some, at least. Uh, anyway, so... Now what's happening is my man Zibisco is going to be facing Gama. But before that, Gama's younger brother, we mentioned him, his name is Imam Baksh. He has to face this well, very well-regarded Swiss wrestler called Johan Lem. Okay. I'm now going to challenge myself by trying to make our conversation about that fight shorter than the fight. It is going to be hard because the fight itself was one minute and four seconds. <laughs> But basically, <laughs> Lem tried everything he had. He tried the whole hug the mat thing. And what he did is discovered that Imam Baksh is considered the greatest on-the-ground wrestler India has ever produced. And <laughs> essentially, yeah, so it was over. 
So at this point, like the entire buzz around the visit of these guys has shifted. Like your finances are starting to get what they want because people are yeah. starting to talk about like who's going to beat these guys. But you know who else people are talking about? <laughs> Sorry, I just have to do this at about the 20 minute mark. <laughs> the other thing people are talking about is these screaming deals on screaming supplies. This show is brought to you by all of the supplies that you need for screaming, including throat coat tea. <laughs> and what else do you need for screaming? Come on, you all going to rescue me with this bit. Sophie, you're going <laughs> to... Whiskey? Are we brought to you by alcohol? Are we allowed to be brought to you? <laughs> I was just saying water. Oh, water. Uh... So if he was miming drinking. Or whiskey, I don't know. Depends on who you are. With honey in it? That's, Maybe. When I record for my metal band, I don't do the screaming. Laura does the screaming. She just sits there with a thing of honey and in between takes just downs honey out of the bear. And that's what we're brought to you by is long-winded advertising breaks like this one. Presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit RightRug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. And we're not talking about screaming, really. Or are we? I don't know. I'm not the one with the script. Could be a screaming match. I'm not sure. Screaming is appropriate because when we left, we were talking about how the entire buzz had shifted around the... Indian wrestlers visit to London. Yeah. And now people are worrying about who people in London were worrying about who was going to beat them. So there was like letters to the editors and articles still lamenting about how they could not even find a white man to face them, so on and so forth. You know, it was like mm-hmm. right wing Twitter before Twitter. Yeah. So that stuff is happening. And there was one editorial at least about how this was affecting morale of subjects back in India. Hell yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. So like that's that what I'm thing. here for. Uh-huh. But, so your financiers were basically who wanted to like strike a blow at the heart of empire and all that. They were getting exactly what they wanted at this point. Yeah. Anyway, 
your Zibisco fight looms. And on this day, John Bull comes through with 250 pounds and a belt, a belt as well this time. Okay. So the fight starts. And remember, we have now the greatest defensive. This wrestler. is the brothers fighter. Yeah. This is the. This is this Gama's is Gama. brothers fighting. This, no, Gama's brother oh. is done. It was it was one minute oh, and four okay. seconds long. You're right. So this is Gama versus the Czech guy is, who's trying to or yeah, Polish guy who's is, trying to reclaim his reputation. Yeah, Ozibisko. So okay. anyway, this remember and remember this is the guy who's supposed to be one of the greatest defensive wrestlers in the world. Where yeah, like, you can't get him off his feet. If you get him off his feet, you can't pin him. That kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. Um, How long does he last? <laughs> So he's on the ground within the first minute. <laughs> uh-huh. At this point, he goes back to the turtle technique. Okay. Uh-huh. For some reason, Gamma is not able to flip him. So then what okay. follows is like a real farce for about like two plus hours where this guy hugs the mat <laughs> every like and almost nothing happens. And then like Gamma will do something, the ref will say something, Gamma will stand away, this guy will stay there. And then every so often, like maybe like once or twice during the whole fight, this guy stood back up, they'd lock up within like a second or two, he'd be back down and face down. And just on the turtle mode again. Yeah. Yeah. And the crowd was it. really not enjoying it at all. Like they hated no, it. No, but I'm enjoying it because I don't have to watch it. <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. So anyway, it was declared a draw after two hours and 15 oh, minutes. Oh shit. All right. Because he can't get unturtled. Yes. And... So this Maybe he is the, the greatest draws, defensive fighter of all time. This and the three draws against Rahim Sultaniwala are the only non-wins of Gama's fighting career. Damn. Alright. So it's a big deal. He's very upset. He can't beat the turtle. So what he said later was like it was a language issue. Like there were certain holes which were barred. And he was like every time I'd grab him, like the ref would say something. And I was like, oh, maybe that's an illegal hold. And I'd let go. And it oh, turns shit. out the ref, yeah. So anyway, and uh, a rematch was set because the draw was very unsatisfying. And at the rematch, Zabisco didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, I so wouldn't show are, up if I had just embarrassed myself by being a turtle for two hours. Yeah, so like uh, <laughs> Zabisco, for his part, claims that the reason he didn't show up is because he didn't get his promised share of the gate receipts from the first fight. Oh, okay. Okay. That might happen. I don't know. And then he, he claimed that when the rematch happened, he wasn't even in the country. But I don't know. There was a rematch and he wasn't there. So, like, again, yeah. choose your destiny. Yeah. Anyway. And he, of course, declared that in... Oh, he did declare that in 1911, I will face Gama. There's a rematch. But obviously, okay. 1911, that never really happened. Okay. Anyway, soon after, like, all this, just as suddenly as they arrived, the Indian wrestlers, like one day they were packed up and they were gone back to India. Why is not super clear? Maybe they got tired of England. Maybe the benefactor decided that like, you know, the civil in- independence movement and stuff was growing. Maybe that was a better use of his time and money. Then yeah. maybe he thought that the, achieve- the objective had been achieved. Any case, the era of like wrestling as the fountainhead or the spear tip of like the counter propaganda movement was pretty much like drawing to a close at this point. Okay. Maybe for the reasons I have just discussed with you, like it, there was like actual active movements happening and sort of this like soft tech method right. was not needed anymore. Kind of right. point has been proved. We believe now people believe now it's time to like take back that kind of thing. That makes but sense. 
it does leave us with the question which we've kind of talked about several times and answered like that what is really interesting is like this generation of like wrestling obsessed powerful investors the investments they made the old system that had been like being perfected for like generations and hundreds of years without anyone knowing it all these are combined to basically give india like the greatest wrestling training system in the world which yeah. they almost would not have even known it was the greatest in the world if it wasn't for like this specific like confluence of circumstances and it's just very interesting to think about to me personally like as a wrestling nerd that yeah who knows you're saying that the how... british empire was good no i'm saying the wrestling was good <laughs> i'm just fucking with you sorry <laughs> yeah. all right so anyway at this point like gama goes back he's back in india and uh-huh. he doesn't really have a lot of le- opponents left in india he's basically come back as like rustam azman which is like world champion but i but mm-hmm. interesting enough he's still not indian champion because he hasn't won that fight oh yeah so he's one of those rare guys who has the world championship but not the indian championship i mean that kind of tracks with everything you're just saying about how india was the place that the great yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah yeah so anyway so time comes they talk about like yet another rematch with Ibrahim Sultan mm-hmm. they got to settle this but basically what happens is in the interim like i told you like gama had a lot of personal tragedies and one of them was like he had about five or six sons and he lost almost all of them to various ailments oh, and illnesses yeah was he and married or there, like the yeah yeah he was married okay he was married like he was a devout muslim like you would take time out to do his namaz every day also cool uh, so uh at one point like he was apparently so grief stricken he didn't speak for weeks and like apparently all that brought him back is again wrestling like practicing yeah. and all that so anyway finally in about 1910 or i think 12 like depending on the source you believe mm-hmm. the fight happens again, in years. Alab- uh-huh. in alabad yes very convenient you know and <laughs> this time rahim sultan nimala had spent his time training with rama murthy who i've mentioned earlier who remember wrote the treaties on physical education and went around lecturing he yeah, was his yeah. trainer for this fight so for this fight when he shows up he'd like covered himself in like red ochre dust so depending on like the version you read he's been variously i'm talking about sultaniwala here the giant who's about 7 feet tall mm-hmm. so he's been variously described as looking like a demon or a devil when he showed up because he was like covered in red dust And I like, wouldn't fuck with a seven foot tall man covered red in red demon, dust red as a general yeah. rule. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, the, the everyone is like fed up of the draws. So like you guys are going to fight. We don't care how long it takes. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Nobody gets to cancel this thing. This so is a cricket match, on, baby. Yeah. So it went on for like three hours. At one point, I like, made a sports left. reference. I just want to point that out. Uh, yeah, and it was a good All one. Right, anyway, thanks, uh, thanks. So at one okay, point. So, At one point Rahim actually like ran away and was chased by Gama around the arena and like back into the <laughs> ring all this shit happens at the end uh-huh. of it like when the dust settles literally Gama uh-huh. is finally the champion like he's finally done it like how long how long did it take from his first so the first time they met was like what 1900 Oh no no I mean this match 3 hours Okay I was Which then, too busy with yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so so at this point like he's also like the domestic champ so like he's basically got nothing left like so his fights are basically sporadic at this point yeah in 1916 he met a guy called pandit bidu who was a leading hindu wrestler and he crushed him easily mm-hmm. so like he still was that guy in 1918 he passed on his rustam in thing to his brother saying like you are the champion now i'm chilling 
<laughs> just because he's like bored of it. He's like, yeah, okay. So he's right. basically having said that, like Imam Baksh is like considered like as I mentioned with Gulam to be one of the most technically perfect. He's considered yeah. the best ground wrestler ever, and like he proved it like with the Lem fight. Like there have been like people, especially if you want to be an edge lord, like these circles and these discussions. One very edge lord mm-hmm. thing is to say that is that is to say that Imam Baksh would have flipped Zabisco, but did he? I... No, because like here's the other thing: like Zabisco is like eighty pounds or ninety pounds heavier than Gama. Like, trust me, yeah. like doing that to a two hundred and fifty a guy who's fifty pounds more than you is a lot. Doing it, someone with like eighty is like just not possible. Yeah, okay. it's just anyway. But if you want to be an edge lord, it's a good way to go. Like it's okay. it's like high it, it's like high level posting. Okay. Anyway, so what happens next that's of most note is that people start talking about the rematch with Zibisco, who is his other great rival in his life, because that's the other time that was the draw. So because it oh, was yeah. a draw, so at this point, like, a lot of buzz ta- yes, so the Sorry. buzz is about I'll him coming <laughs> to India. No, that's a good point. The buzz is about him coming to India. And cool. in about 1927, the Maharaja of Patiala announces that he has created this match. Zabisco is going to come to India. He's going to face Gama on his native soil. He's going to do so in a grand pavilion that the Maharaja will build and the pavilion will house 80,000 people. Hell yeah, and it's going to be decorated with turtles because just to celebrate that man when he shows yeah. up. <laughs> so in... Uh, <laughs> yes, I finally got Shiv to laugh. <laughs> I've been trying. Okay, anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I've just been like very focused on like... Uh, no, 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 you're doing great. Yeah, all right. So anyway, 1928 and not 27, this happens. And uh-huh. the it's at it's in an arena which has 40,000 people, not 80. But Zabisco okay. does come. Okay. And apparently he also, got some... Is this wild yeah. that they're like... Normally, when I think of sports, I think of people kind of stopping around the time they're in their mid-30s in terms of professional-level athletes. I clearly am an expert in sports. but So it seems like this is like kind of impressive that people are continuing to compete at the highest level when they're... Uh, well, he's like 47 at this point. Yeah, so like yes and no in the sense that like... Mm-hmm. Um, they were probably both past their pride at this point, honestly speaking. Well mm-hmm. past it. And they say fighters never really retire. They're always coming back for one more fight. Yeah, I know Muhammad which, Ali did that. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone finds it hard to like walk away after being really good at something. Yeah. So, anyway. So, this fight is happening in 1928. And it's, it's basically a who's who of Indian royalty and everyone. It was like the Met Gala, but for Maharajas and Nawabs and stuff like that. Okay. Like they were all there to watch the fight, and Zibisco gets some obscene purse for it and all that. So the fight began, and Mazumdar recorded it as a 42 second win for Gama, which is interesting. Life, the universe, and everything that number. Um, <laughs> but yeah, apparently they grabbed, they swung around for a bit, there's an angle, and it's over. Like it's done. Then there's these <laughs> massive cries all around the, the 40,000 arena of Gama has won, India has won, India has won. And they carried him off on their shoulders. On the victory procession, there's a Nawab who gifted him with a silver mace and basically everyone's delighted. There was like extra vibe because like, you know, he was like considered a man of the people for like just going off with the crowd instead of hobnobbing with the Maharajas. Hell yeah. And uh, like that fight has had huge cultural impact, like impact at levels like you wouldn't 
even thing to associate it with all the way to like the early 1990s like it was like almost like standard for like bollywood villains to have this white strong man sidekick and like half of them have been named zibisco that's his only name he doesn't have a first name he doesn't have a last name he's zibisco in the <laughs> bollywood movie the hero will first beat up zibisco before he beats up the actual villain it's the procession like the order of events ah uh, okay but like what i'm saying is like basically and that that is such a guy isn't the guy seems like the turtle guy seems nice like oh he seems like a really nice guy yeah, yeah. if you like talk if you actually listen to him how he talks about it like he really rates gamma very highly and he claims yeah. the fight was so quick is that he wasn't used to wrestling on mud and on dirt and he slipped yeah Now, that makes sense i mean i, I like yeah. one guy's ribs broke allegedly like you can you can choose yeah. your destiny i'm going to keep saying that yeah it's mortal combat <laughs> in story form <laughs> anyway. so anyway after this incident happens gamma's basically become pretty much like a national treasure mm-hmm. like he's like a national hero and stuff like that and which was kind of noted by this subsequent incident where he wants people to essentially get free rail, rail travel on this section of on this section of indian railways and okay. he sends this challenge to the government saying that i will stop a moving train on this on this track and if i succeed you must give everybody free travel and okay <laughs> I, i dare you if you do, if you're not afraid reply with your answer and they did not reply and uh, again there are various sources here one source is that they simply didn't reply another source is he went there on that day to do the stoppage and mm-hmm. they held off trains that day because they were so afraid of gamma i mean if you actually read between the lines to me it looks more like you know they're quite aware of how things work in india and like if this guy gets run over by a train we'll have riots yeah yeah totally yeah so they probably that was like the purpose if anything but it had it yeah. adds to the story right like yeah anyway at this point of the Wait, did that, life, did that Gama, get people free rail tra- travel or no no i don't think it did oh all right it was worth a shot i i think the yeah it was worth a shot and like it created the buzz and yeah that's it and anyway at this point he's just like basically like mostly training and not even really fighting it's like the early 1930s so his last fight was this guy called Jesse Peterson who he basically essentially like finished off pretty in good time yeah and after this he came up with what is basically called the Imam Bucks challenge which is if you wish to face me you have to defeat Imam Bucks my younger brother <laughs> and and since nobody ever did defeat Imam Bucks this basically <laughs> meant that Gama at this point had retired without ever retiring hell yeah so that's what happened so at this point in time he's just like training and stuff and at this point his nutrition and diet come to the attention of this professor who i think was in calcutta university or howrah university or something his name is professor s mazumdar or majumdar depending on the source and he was a professor of nutrition who wanted to go and study it study the way the pehlwans ate and did their diet so he went yeah. there in his interactions he became so fascinated with the whole thing he gave up on nutrition and Ali and became India's foremost historian of Pehlwani wrestling. Wow, okay. Almost all of the English writing on the subject are people who have read Majumdar. He is like the primary source in English for a lot of this. Okay. He's the guy who went and read vernacular sources, met people, did this and all that. Yeah. And he said as late as the mid 1930s that Gama is easily the greatest wrestler in the world that he's seen, that he was beating all these guys in practice. No one has actually seen these practices but him. but 
that is what happened. Yeah. Although like this whole enraptionment with Gama's diet and training is not unique at all, right? Like Bruce Lee later in his life discovered it and like he incorporated aspects of Gama's like uh, uh, like uh, workout regimen and training stuff into his own. So like uh, like Gama did a bunch of interesting stuff in that sense. Like he inspired Bruce Lee who he'd never heard of, who everybody else has. But did he use Blue Apron? <laughs> eh? <laughs> Because eh? he could have and saved my, I don't even think we're sponsored by Blue Apron. Um, <laughs> so that's not actually advice. Some of our shows are sponsored by HelloFresh. Oh, okay. Well, my cynicism remains, but Fair I will <laughs> cynically say that you should listen to the people who gave us money to let us have you listen to them talk about stuff. Here's some ads. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. Big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. And I'm, I think that's the last time I have to shoehorn in very awkwardly into the middle of a sentence of yours. Sorry about that. Please continue. No, it's, it's, it's absolutely fine. So, we were talking about Mazumdar. So, and Bruce Lee and the diet and stuff like that. Yeah. So, he's been interest, like extremely influential, even in circles you might not expect. For instance, uh, he did get a Google Doodle. Not that long ago. Hell yeah. Gamma, Gamma did. And what I find really cool about that is like, I'm going to be like weird maths nerd for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Google is after like the number Google, you know? Yeah, yeah. Which oh, yeah. Is like coin. Uh-huh. And the fact that like our man Gamma died without knowing what either of these things ever were just makes him so much cooler for it. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like, like they cared more about him than he cared about them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, high school level of cool. <laughs> anyway okay so at this point like we're getting towards like the 1940s uh-huh. so Indian independence like the movement is getting like towards its peak and yeah. um, 
the world war began so there was also that right so what would was once considered a very fringe plan now started to become a reality which was like the partition of india mm-hmm. and seeing which way the winds were blowing you know he had a bunch of wealth and property at this time he accumulated over his career but gama decided he gave away a bunch of it and he moved to lahore in pakistan and said he wanted to set up a wrestling school there okay so obviously but that doesn't really matter what you plan because like when uh, partition happened like everything was put on hold when the sins of the british in the subcontinent are renumerated partition of india gets often mentioned but i think the true like magnitude of it is never really discussed yeah in 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 western circles and i don't want to spend too much time on it because that would like require a whole series of podcasts but uh, in simple terms like communities that have lived in harmony for like hundreds of years are being ro- disrupted like entire neighborhoods are just having a line drawn between them and now they are two different countries Yeah. The largest forced migration in human history is generally reckoned to have been World War 2, which happened over a period of several years. Number 2 is partition, which was completed from beginning to end in 18 months. Yeah. So it is it was just like a ridiculous amount of displacement and a lot of refugees, like families were torn in half. There was also like a whole lot of sectarian religious violence. Yeah. And honestly, like I don't think the subcontinent had ever seen like religious violence on this scale ever like not even close to before and uh, this is where gama you know life filled with great victories and like iconic moments like scripted perhaps like the most iconic moment of his whole life so there's a colony of one of the interesting uh, remnants of the system that the british left us is that even today in places like india and pakistan neighborhoods are referred to by residents as colonies oh interesting okay yeah so it's like i'm going home to my colony like just means the town i'm from it, it no it literally means the neighborhood in the town you're from oh shit okay so like it's it's the equivalent of saying i'm going back to my my neighborhood or my hood or whatever yeah. you know anyway so these guys find out that there's like a place where which is predominantly hindu and it's in the line of like angry murder mob so like gama vows to those people that i will protect you Yeah, so he takes some of his wrestlers and he goes and stands at the at the mouth of the neighborhood, and then in due course, this crowd comes, you know, like with their torches, angry, this, that, mm-hmm. and the other. Wait, and then, the the which group is being attacked and which group is doing the attacking he, in this particular time? Hindus are being attacked. I think mm-hmm. Muslims are doing the attacking, and Gama yeah. himself, a Muslim, is standing between yeah. them. Yeah, which is fucking rules. Yeah. So anyway, and so they face off like. This guy tells Gama to get out of the way. Gama tells this guy, "Why don't you get out of the way?" <laughs> That kind of thing. And anyway, so uh, the leader of the mob or whatever approaches Gama, and like he has a weapon, so he decides to try and hit Gama with his weapon. According to some sources, it was a sword. Uh-huh. But instead, Gama slaps him. Now, depending on which source you believe, and what I'm telling you has been rep- re- reported by like newspapers across the region, including like national newspapers. So this is the official record of what happened. Yeah. depending on which one you believe when gama slaps this guy he either lost consciousness died on the spot or had his jaw broken <laughs> all the accounts agree he goes flying yeah yeah someone in the mob recognizes gama and yells hey that's gama and the entire mob flees hell yeah okay now this scene has been redone in like bollywood movies to introduce heroes like for generations since then yeah but apparently it actually happened but it so it's so good like it's such a good 
he spent his entire life building this reputation and this like becoming a folk hero by dedicating himself to his craft. And then he, the way he used that, I'm, I'm just, I really like this part of the story. The way he like used that was just to literally save a ton of people's lives in a just very direct and selfless way. I fucking love it. Yeah. Oh, it, and it gets better because like okay. after he supposedly escorted people to safe passage like across the border uh-huh. along with his wrestlers and he used his personal funds to pay for like transport for people to want to get out safely. That fucking and rules. Yeah. It rules. Like the sad part is Gama himself like actually died in poverty. Like yeah. in a government hospital. But like the other thing about it is like he was like he actually walked the talk. Like when you talk about like the noble warrior monk hero, who, yeah. like is selfless and like he actually was that, which is part of why he's considered so great. Like he genuinely lived that. Yeah. And probably I mean, he and his brother are like the last bastion we ever saw of that, honestly. We're a long way from that now. Like, for instance, like I'd be remiss. I spent all this time talking about like the nobility of Indian wrestling, but like the current wrestling federation of India head, a political appointee, mm-hmm. has been Incredibly accused of assault by like a lot of wrestlers, non-wrestlers, women, and he's being protected by the government. Yeah. So we're a very long way from the legacy of Gama at this point. Yeah. But I don't know if you like speak of that legacy, it seems like a decent time to like kind of see how do you pass it. Mm-hmm. And put it this way, like the records and statistics are like this they're just ridiculous like they just if you read them they do not seem real because they are just wild like 5000 fights without a defeat there's a <laughs> there's a stone that he's supposedly lifted which is in a museum in baroda uh-huh. it's in a museum and that stone is about 1200 kilos so apparently there's people who saw him lift this 1200 kilo stone <laughs> you know like there's newspapers like extremely reputable national newspapers telling us yeah this dude slapped down a mob this is the report yeah. of the incident you know yeah. so you have all this stuff which beats that seem literally superhuman yeah and you have this like all a lot of the stuff of his life is on the olympics website like these are like reputable sources yeah these are often sources who revel in telling us that hey your hero is not real and these are the guys telling us that, hey, Superman's real. This is him. Yeah, this one is real. Yeah. <laughs> so the way I have come to understand Gamma, like over mm-hmm. the course of my life from being a superhero kid to today is like one of two things is true here. Either he was genuinely like a superhero who did these incredible things. Mm-hmm. Or he was the greatest storyteller whose like we'll never see again, who convinced the Olympics committee national newspapers, <laughs> people who had a vested interest in saying you're a liar, that he was the real deal. Yeah. And in that case, as a storyteller, in either case, yeah. I think that makes him incredibly cool. Yeah. No, I mean, he clearly won a lot of matches. Whether or not he won 5,000 of them, I don't know. But like, that he's the real deal at the very least in terms of being it seems like the greatest wrestler that we've ever seen. Whether or not he lifted a 1,200 kilogram stone or not, I, I don't know. Like, he's still the real deal, even if that one particular thing may or may yeah. not have happened or whatever, you know? It's, it's like, even if you're the kind of person, like, who's just built up, like, a reputation enough that, like, this mob incident happens, like, yeah, 
even if it's like entirely fabricated, like someone at that paper was like, if I say Gamma did this, it will be believed. Yeah. And that in itself is an achievement. Like, let's assume the yeah. newspaper lied. Let's just assume the worst case scenario. Newspaper made it up out of mm -hmm. whole cloth. That still yeah. means that it was considered credible enough that this guy would do it. Like, I can you name me someone else that they you would do this about and you'd people read me like, yeah, this could have happened. Yeah. Now that yeah, live your life in such a way that if you did if newspapers accused you of doing something wildly noble, everyone will believe it. Yeah, exactly. So so one way or the other, the guy was a real deal. He did really cool things. Yeah. And he was pretty cool. So that is my thesis for why he should be on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, secretly, we've been recording the whole time. Um, ah, wait, you mean <laughs> I don't have to come back and do this again? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I first, you did a tweet thread about Gamma and it was probably about a year ago. And I just like reached out. I just started cool people did cool stuff. And I was like, I need this on the podcast. And I really, I don't know. Yeah, the story sticks out to me so much because of just this, like, how hyperbolic his, like, physical capacity was, right? But, like, actually probably was, on some level, greater than, I have no doubts that he could just do squats all day, right? Yeah. And then, like, and then just, like, actually using it. I don't know. I mean, it's it's, like... The way you're describing this culture, you know, the like warrior monk thing that is like is largely mythologized. And it's like, you know, the the Western conception of the knight is like comparable, protect the I mean, usually they're doing <laughs> absolutely horrible things instead, right? But this idea of like, oh, you're gonna be this person who's gonna like use the fact that you spend all your time tra training to fight and no one else does to go like help the defenseless or whatever. Like I just I love seeing that actually happening. It's 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 very much comic superhero origin story stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for telling me about all this stuff. I there's so much more I want to learn about all of this, and I can't believe that slowly I'm being convinced that. <laughs> I think I always, on some level, knew that sports matter, but like, there's still just this part of me that was like, no, I was a oh. trans girl, didn't know it, so I hated gym class, so therefore sports is bad. <laughs> and like <it's laughs> fucking bullshit. <laughs> you no, know? Sports is great. Gym yeah. class is questionable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then even then, like it was my gym. It wasn't my gym teacher. It was a gym teacher in my school who like the way that my school got a gay straight alliance is that these two obviously in retrospect lesbian teachers came up to me and were like, did you know that teachers can't start student groups? Here's all of the forms for a gay straight alliance. Please sign them. Um, wow. And one of them was the gym teacher lady who was obviously a lesbian in retrospect. So gym teachers even I really am just mad at the kids who picked on me and that's not their, f it's not sports fault. Not sports fault, <laughs> it's their fault. Yeah. Um, it's society's fault. I don't know. You got anything that you want to plug? Ways that people could follow you? Um, what's the name of one of your stories that people could go read? Well, the last one I have is like, actually, you probably should read that because like the novel I'm writing is kind of like a sequel to that short story. 
Mm-hmm. It's called Bhatia PI. You'll find it on Lightspeed magazine. Hell yeah. And you can follow me on the tweet machine for as long as it exists. I'm at Nameshiv. I tweet about lots of random stuff, some of which we've covered. Cool. I'm on Twitter still also at Magpie Killjoy, unless you're listening this far enough in the future where I'm not. And instead I am free. And by free, I mean doing all kinds of other things instead because I like eating food on a regular basis and so does my dog. I'm also on Instagram at Margaret Killjoy. I'm now on Substack at Margaret Killjoy or not at margaretkilljoy.substack.com. Substack being a newsletter thing where I write an essay every week. Um, And a lot of it is like reflections on the history that I'm learning about as I work on this show. Some of it is about preparedness and some of it's just like memoir and things like that. And Sophie, what do you got? Can people follow you on things? What if people want to bug you about ads that you have no control over how can they oh that's that's at i write okay on twitter oh okay cool Mm -hmm. what if they don't want to hear ads at all can they go ahead what was the question what if they don't want to hear ads at all can they follow us oh yeah at coolers of media Media? yeah on apple podcasts Yeah. yeah that's a thing just at cool zone media for all the shows all the things and um, if you find my handles on there too, there's cute pictures of my dog somewhere. They are cute pictures of a cute dog. That's and we will talk plug. to you next week with more cool people who did cool stuff. Bye-bye. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com. Or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.